Hey, this is Erin Lindstrom, and you're listening to Thank You For You. This is a show about celebrating and acknowledging our humanness as well as our beingness, the easy and the hard, the gifts and the (laughs) gifts we don't really like but choose to accept anyway. This is a show about and for people in pursuit of more peace, more joy, more money, more justice, and more of the awe that life has to give us. Thank you for being here, and thank you for you. Good morning, listeners. It's morning as I'm recording this. I am actually on a rage walk right now. (laughs) Hot tip. (laughs) When you feel rage and anger in your body, going for a walk can help. (laughs) Look at the trees. Hear the birds. (laughs) Sweat. And when your eyes move around and look at different things, it actually changes the chemistry in your brain. So there's my hot tip for you this morning. (laughs) Anyway, why am I raging, you ask? Well, listener, organizational leadership organizational leadership matters. And when the person at the top of something is a self-centered liar, things can get ugly very quickly or for a very long time. (laughs) And many of us have been in a situation like that, whether it's a boss, whether it's a parent, whether it's a partner, a roommate in college, or perhaps like a club, a business that you're working with. Many of my clients are contractors, they're service providers. And so they're inside businesses where the leader in marketing looks great, right? Talks a big game about diversity, equity, inclusion. And then when it comes down to the day-to-day, that's just not there, right? We've all heard of people using words and not actually like following through on them. And it makes me so mad. (laughs) So I'm taking action and all of that jazz and, you know, doing what I need to do, having the conversations I need to have, checking myself and my integrity around what I'm doing. And going for a rage walk. (laughs) Because even though I know what I'm doing, you know what I mean? I'm clear on my next steps. It is a lot in your body. So if you need to go for a rage walk, I invite you to do so. (laughs) And I will say too that rage is interesting. Dr. John Sarno talks about this a lot. If you have lower back pain or really a lot of kind of pains, check out his book. There's one about back pain specifically, and there's another one about just like, getting rid of pain completely. I'm not saying this is for everyone, but it's interesting. (laughs) And it's so much about like what's alive inside of us and not touching our rage. So if you were mad and scared as a child, a lot of times that hangs out in our bodies and presents as pain. And so the act of actually being mad can be incredibly therapeutic and good for us to actually be in it and walk with it and allow it to be here and not be wrong because of it. We just have to be mindful of how we care for ourselves as that's happening. So that is my Rage Walk intro. (laughs) Today on the podcast, we have a lovely, lovely, lovely person who I've got to know over the past few years. Her name is Erica Lehman, and she is fantastic. (laughs) And I met inside a coaching container, and she is a photographer with years and years and years of experience, I think 10 years. And she coaches photographers and how to grow their business. And when I talk to Erica about how she leads, how she interacts with clients, about the experiences of the photographers that she's actually coaching, we are very aligned in the connection-centric model and in being really intentional. There's a lot of things we see in the coaching industry where people are promising results that you just can't promise. (laughs) Strategies don't get results. People do. And their effort does. And getting people to take effort and to put effort into something is not as simple as just doing it all the time, right? If you are in pain, if you are scared on different levels, then it's not 
always as easy as taking the steps. And something I really like about Erica is how she meets people where they are so they can figure that out together. So on that note, I'm now gonna share Erica's bio with you. Ready, listeners? Erica is an ethical sales strategist and business coach for wedding photographers with heart. Also see wife, animal lover, anti-racist feminist, and friend. She's been a wedding photographer for 12 plus years and has navigated the ups and downs of business and life while creating a consistent flow of dream clients who respect her boundaries, pay on time, and are a true joy to work with. <laughs> if you go to her website, you can see who. Check out the testimonials. <laughs> when she's not photographing, is that, a, is that a thing? When she's not photographing, that makes more sense, and coaching freaking awesome people, you can find her sitting on the couch in her husband's pajama pants, drinking coffee, struggling, no, not struggling, snuggling <laughs> all of her pets. She is four. <laughs> Editing, podcasting, and generally creating. She's an Enneagram 2 and a manifesting generator, and she thrives when she's creating new things for the benefit of others. While she loves the wedding industry and loves serving clients and loves supporting women, she's been in this industry for over a decade and realizes that it targets women in how and what they sell. And the tactics that are taught are gross and patriarchal. So she's disgusted by all of it and bored. And so for an industry that thrives on creativity and newness, the sales strategies being used are boring and outdated. So she brings new kind of flavor. And I would almost even say like reconnection to all of it. So that's a bit about Erica. This episode is excellent. Check it out. Erica was also in my dynamic coach training and she did a like expert session for the group on the Enneagram. And it was so, so, so cool. So definitely check her out on Instagram, all the places. And here is the episode. <sighs> All right. Well, hi, Erica. Welcome to Thank You For You. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So we start out every episode and I ask the same kind of like two questions together and I'm going to ask you. You're welcome to take and receive this question any way you want. Take us wherever you want in the journey of answering. No pressure. Who are you and how did you get here? <laughs> <laughs> it's casual, you know? Yeah. That is a good question. And I've heard you ask this question before, and I feel like I should have been prepared for this question. It's more of like a, in the, who are you today and how did you get here? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, today I am, you know, what I've been thinking about a lot is the fact that I'm turning 35 this mm. year. I'm turning 35 next month and birthdays are always very I don't know. Like I think I think about them a lot. I become very introspective because birthdays were they were not a big deal in my house, but my birthday was a big deal for my mom mm. because she just wanted to make sure that I made it to my 6th birthday. So every single time that I turn another year older, I'm like, "Wow, I made it this much past the age of 6." <laughs> why was if and, I may like why was yeah, six a thing? So my biological father was like not the best. And so she kind of just lived in fear of that as when I was growing up and as like very young child. And so I just, every single year, I'm like, oh my gosh, I made it. <laughs> I'm pretty good. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I've been thinking about that. Like the, the fact that I've, I don't, I don't know, like there's this idea of rushing and running and like, I made it, things are okay. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been thinking about. And I think that's who I am right now is like introspective and thankful and grateful that like I'm turning 35 this year. And like, that's, that's pretty cool for somebody mm -hmm. who 
you know, their mom just wanted to make it, make them to the age of six, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's who I am today, I think, if that answers the question. Yeah, there's no wrong answers here. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And then tell us a little bit about like, how did you get here? What's your path been like? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in Massachusetts Mm -hmm. and I moved to New York when I was 24 or about to turn 24. And I, you know, was homeschooled. Then I went to college. Then I got my MBA. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. That's so interesting. Sorry, I'm on a homeschool like thing right now, just thinking about the education system and all that jazz. So like, interesting. Yeah. And I'm like, always surprised by the ones that are like, okay, keep going. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt you. Tell me more. (laughs) No, I think that I think with homeschooling, (laughs) there are the ones you can't tell. And then there are the ones you can tell. (laughs) And I think there's no middle ground, (laughs) but yeah. And I think that's okay for me to say as somebody who was in that community for so long. I'm just smiling and nodding Um, with you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then I had started my photography business in Massachusetts and then I moved to New York and I had to build it up again. And uh, you know what else I've been thinking about a lot lately has been the fact that like at one point I was like ready to just like be like, all right, I'm done here. Like did my time, did photography, did whatever. And uh, it took like an active decision and like commitment for me to actually move forward. Like I was just kind of like floating with it for a little bit. And then I was like, well, what am I doing? This is wasting my time, right? Mm -hmm. Like I need to make a commitment either way. And no commitment is wrong, but it's just a commitment that I need to make. And then I did decide to like, oh, okay, I'm gonna commit to this more and better. And then my business just kind of like took off. So I've been in business now for almost 13 years, which feels, (laughs) makes me feel old. (laughs) Wow. So 13 years. So you were, I have to math right now. Were you 21 when you started your photography business? I was 22. I had just graduated college. How did you like, what, where did that come from? So I took my senior year. I didn't have enough credits, but Mm -hmm. I didn't want to leave campus. I loved being in college. Mm -hmm. So I was like, let me do some electives. And I just did one photojournalism class. And I was terrible with the technical stuff. (laughs) But I could, I really enjoyed it It was very enjoyable. And so Mm -hmm. my friends started asking me to take photos for them. I would take photos like senior photos for them for a cup of Starbucks coffee because I felt like, wow, Starbucks is bougie. This is expensive. And then it just kind of like moved forward from there. I photographed my first wedding in 2010. Wow. And how was that? Like, as far as was having your own business, something that you had like considered or always wanted or like, what was that like? No, both of my degrees are in business. I enjoy business, but I always saw myself as one of those people that like lived in New York City and had like, you know, a corner office and was a CEO. And the only reason though that I think I thought that way is because that was the only example that I had. Mm. And so it wasn't even something that I ever considered because I didn't have the example to be a business owner. So, yeah. Interesting. So as you started on that path, like, how was it? Like, easygoing? Like, did everything just kind of fall together for you? Or like, 
<laughs> Tell us about the journey. <laughs> so I photographed my first wedding in 2010 and everybody's first everything is messy. And it was a good day though. I will say like for anybody's first anything, was it messy? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but was I glad that I did this? Yes. <laughs> and it kind of like springboarded from there, but it took me time to actually like grow my client roster. It took me time to understand marketing and what that means. At the time, Facebook was still very new. Mm -hmm. Facebook had only just been opened to everybody outside of the college realm because it, at first it was only for college students. Mm -hmm. So it was very new that it was given to the outside world. And so I was trying to figure that out. Instagram was not a thing. I primarily relied on like word of mouth referrals and I would just do anything and everything that I could just cause it was enjoyable. I wanted to try it, you know, like mm -hmm. would I photograph somebody's like 60th birthday party now? No. But back then I was like, well, I don't see why not. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, it kind of grew from there. I will say that I think I priced myself very low and I shouldn't have. I think mm -hmm. there's always like that beginning threshold where you're like unsure of what you need to be pricing and mm -hmm. that's awkward. But after that point, I kept my prices very low for a long time because I, I felt like guilty actually charging for something that I was good at because I felt like I had like an obligation to give it to the world. But I actually think that hindered me and actually hindered my growth because people don't trust low prices. <laughs> People are like, oh, you're you're charging $800 for an eight-hour wedding photography package? I think not. Goodbye. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with this situation? Right. <laughs> yep. Interesting. Right. What, why? Yeah. Were weddings just like a, something that came up and you tried it and you liked it? Or like, why, why weddings? I don't know. I, I just enjoyed them. I enjoy the hustle and bustle of them. I enjoy the storytelling of them. I used to do like senior portraits and families mm -hmm. and things of that nature, but I don't do those anymore really. There's something about a wedding day that's just, it feels good to be there. Mm -hmm. When you say storytelling, can you tell us more about that? Like, yeah. <laughs> what, does that, what does that mean in terms of like what you see or what you experience? Yeah. I think I'm nosy by nature and <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things is like, you know, when I'm on vacation and let, let's just say we go to the outlets and we need to take a break because we're tired. I love just sitting on the benches and watching people walk by and like seeing how they interact with each other and how they interact with like things they want to purchase and how they interact with other people outside of like their nuclear unit. And on a wedding day, I think this nosy nature of mine really lends itself like, well, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> where I'm like, oh, like, this is interesting. Like how people interact is interesting. And I think, I think it's not necessarily the full story of the couple, right? Because the full story of the couple is so much more and bigger than any particular day, but it's the story of that day in particular and the people that they surround themselves with that I find a lot of joy in and a lot of interest in and i had a wedding about a year ago now and there were only 15 people there they had it at an airbnb it was the most beautiful day and the whole the whole time like i only had 15 people to pay attention to and i was just watching every single one of them they were fascinating mm -hmm. and 
fascinating in like <laughs> not like a yucky way <laughs> like oh these people are interesting <laughs> but like these people are so interesting and they love their people so much and they love their family members so much and that's what i like to see is is paying attention to that kind of stuff of like who here is the most supportive person who mm. here i can tell has the most history with this couple who here could i pick out to be like okay this person definitely has the couple's best interest in mind this person you know i can see them tearing up and is that because you know they they love them so much or they've watched them grow up like there's a lot of mini stories within a wedding day as well i can't know them i just make them up in my head <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting that you say that no and i like just got chills as you were saying i've never really thought about that the kind of lens into all of the different people and the different experiences experiences they're having together and you're really yes. the observer of all of those things yes it's does that ever make you uncomfortable like no. is that weird that it because it's intimate mm -hmm. it sounds like mm -hmm. but you like the intimacy I, I do like the intimacy and I think I don't know I think maybe when I was younger it may have may have made me uncomfortable mm -hmm. but I was also raised in a family that was like just always up in each other's grill like that's just the way that we were raised. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I think that sense of like closeness and intimacy has just always been very, very normal for me, even at times when I didn't want it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think it, it's just very normal for me. And I think that because I'm comfortable in intimate situations, I'm able to kind of just integrate very seamlessly into the day mm -hmm. instead of being like, oh, the photographer is here here right. she is <laughs> right. it's really not about you sounds like you're able to like send no. out people oh yeah okay so two things that just came up that I like would like to talk about both the first is number one this like level of intimacy and when I think about the way that you talk about sales and the sales process for photographers and we're talking about something specific here but I find that there is definitely universal in the specific but that ability mm -hmm. to actually connect with people and to like be with them I have to imagine like lends itself to the sales process. Can, Absolutely. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like what, what does, cause that's something you can sense on a sales call, right? Like whether you're, I imagine when people are kind of like shopping around for photographers, like that feeling of connection. And when you're like thinking about who you want to be with on your day and how they'll hold you and all of that jazz, like there's such a preview to that on the call or there could be, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you know how to hold yes. space like that right yeah I I mean I think we all know that people buy from people they like mm -hmm. and when you buy a service or when you purchase a package that's like service based it's different than if you were to get on a call and be purchasing something like I don't know an exercise bike right mm -hmm. like that's different Selling a product and selling a service is very different. And especially I think for wedding photographers, there is that level of intimacy and wedding photography is unique, right? Because somebody invests with you usually about like a year to 14 to 16 months prior to them actually receiving the service. So you have to give them a preview in order for them to feel comfortable and to feel like, okay, this is a good investment. And they're not necessarily going to purchase based on your photos. Like, can we take photos? Yes. But that's not what it's about. Mm. And I think that that can be called out on a sales call, on a consultation call, where you can say, like, if somebody says to you, tell me about your process. 
And you're you're kind of like, well, what's my process? Like, what do you even mean? Yeah. <laughs> but what they mean is tell me how you'll take care of me. And they don't know how to articulate that. And so I think it is absolutely okay to say something like, well, obviously you're here because I take beautiful photos that brought you to me in the first place. But really the way that I think about it is that as a service-based business, I'm here to serve and support and cheerlead you on your wedding day. So this is what it looks like when I show up on a wedding day. This is how you can expect to see me on a wedding day. This is how I'm going to take care of your family on a wedding day. Family is very important. A lot of people have had icky experiences with photographers where either they're, they show up differently than who they said they were, or they have had really no visibility into who was showing up on the wedding day. And then when somebody did show up on the wedding day, they were aggressive, overly assertive, a little obnoxious, and they boss around the family and they boss around the wedding party. And nobody feels good in that situation, nobody. And so I think that if you talk about that kind of stuff, you can absolutely say these things. Like, you, <laughs> you know, you can say like, hey, you know, I know that not every wedding photographer operates in this way, but this is what's important to me and this is my ethos and this is why I'm here. And I think that lends it, itself back to that that feeling of intimacy. Like you just kind of call it out. even. When they share stuff with you and it is i don't know people will share so much stuff <laughs> like people are open books more often than they're not and i had a wedding consultation once where i was like talking to the the bride and i was like oh you know tell me about your family like what are your you know what are you excited about for them that day and she said to me, oh, you know, I'm close with my mom, but I'm working on making things a little bit better with her because they're a little tense right now. And I said, okay. And she goes, you know, with the wedding planning, she's very excited. And I'm really trying to look at it through the lens of like her excitement. She's excited, which is why she's being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the truth. Moms do that. And I said to her, that is so generous for you to look at it that way. And she was like, well, thank you. Mm. And I think when you notice what people are working on as individuals and as people and as, as they want, as they desire to interact with others, and you call mm -hmm. that out and you say, that's generous. That's like really thoughtful. It does help you to stand out in a different mm -hmm. way because they're, they're like, oh, this person understands me. This person sees me as a person. And they're not just trying to take wedding photos for their portfolio or for their wallet. Like they're here to take good care of me and I can trust that. Mm. I just have chills again. Cause that to me too, is like, you really see them before a photo happens. 100%. And like that is transformational. And it, it makes me think of even just hearing you talk through that process. And obviously like, I've never fully thought through this in terms of like a photography client, but even doing like copy projects, that level of like, you are seen, I see you and like giving someone that space to really be seen and heard before moving into anything else changes the entire yes. sales process. And I know for mm -hmm. some people that they avoid the sales piece of the puzzle because that is intimate. And that does make me them nervous. And that does like, it feels a little uncomfortable. And in the very beginning, I remember like doing the first couple of ones and being like, oh my God, like I'm going to pee my pants. Like, like this is so <laughs> uncomfortable. And then having to really grow that yeah. muscle of like, oh, it's not everyone likes talking about themselves. Oh, I can ask questions and like, they will tell me and I can see them. And that is transformative for someone. So like having that transformation yeah. within the sales process is huge. 
for people who maybe are listening or like, okay, I hear what you're talking about. And like, that makes me deeply nervous. Like, I don't, I don't like small talk. I don't, ah, do you have any <laughs> like tips or like, what do you tell people to kind of like move through the nervousness to be able to actually be present and hold space in that way, both, you know, on the sales conversation and then the day of the service when you are with the family and interacting with people. Mm -hmm. So I think there's two different scenarios. So there's the consultation call and then there's the actual wedding day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think with the consultation call, I think the best thing to detach from the nerves is actually to detach from the outcome. So to understand that your consultation call is not for you to make that sale. Sorry, it's not. <laughs> if it works out that way, that's great. But really what you're doing on the consultation call is connecting. And that is worth your time. That is worth your effort. That is not a waste. And I really feel that from every single consultation call that you get on, you learn something right? Or maybe it mm -hmm. just peps you up, right? Because you mm -hmm. like talking to people mm -hmm. and that's fine too. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think kind of keeping that at the forefront that this is not small talk. This is connection. There is a difference. Small talk is like, you know, what's the weather? Where are you going on vacation? But this stuff is, you know, one of my favorite questions to ask on a consultation call, which moves people into this is I say to the couple, at the end of a wedding day, when you're leaving that day, how do you want to feel? What's the one word you want to use to describe how you're feeling at the end of your wedding day? And that moves people because they're so used to all the external stuff and no other photographer is going to ask them that question, right? Mm -hmm. No other vendor is going to ask them that question because the everybody's usually so focused on like the outward stuff and the outward stuff is cool. Obviously we need to photograph. It is there, right? Like we need to do stuff with it, but that's not what's important. And uh, I had somebody recently where I was like, I asked them that question and they were like, that's a great question. And they actually thought about it for a minute and mm -hmm. like, you know, you just sit there and you wait for them to think. And they said to me, I would like to feel complete. And I was like, that is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cry on this podcast episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they said. And I was like, oh my God, like that is so beautiful. And like, mm -hmm. uh, it was so, and like just acknowledging that and like acknowledging that thoughtfulness. And like, if you lead with that thoughtfulness, you'll get that back. Right. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be small talk. Right. If you lead with that, you get it back. And that also enhances like feelings of like trustworthiness, like warm fuzzies for you. And that couple's booking me. They sent me an email this morning. They were like, we would love to book. And I was like, fabulous. Thank you. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And then I think wow. on a wedding day with like nervousness and awkwardness, because like mm -hmm. you, as much as you think you have visibility into a wedding day, you really don't have visibility into a wedding day until you get to the wedding day mm -hmm. because you don't mm -hmm. know all the players. You mm -hmm. just don't. And mm -hmm. so you like the first thing I think is if you're nervous, like acknowledge that nervousness is normal. It doesn't mean anything wrong or bad is going to happen. It doesn't mean that you suck. It actually just means that this is important to you and it should be important to you. It's somebody's wedding day. Like, I have a wedding weekend this weekend and I'm nervous 
And I've been doing this for like so long, you know? And I think that the day that I'm not nervous or the day that I'm not like, ooh, I'm a little, ooh, mm-hmm. um, is the day that I need to reevaluate. And mm-hmm. I also think that you also have the option to say like, it's number one, it's okay for me to be nervous. This means This means something to me. And I can also choose to kind of like flip that switch away from anxiety and into excitement and just channel things into that way and show up in that way, in that energy, because people pick up on both energies, excitement and nervousness. And like, if you show up to a wedding day, like, hey guys, (laughs) it's not cool. (laughs) But if you show up excited, you're like, oh my God, hey, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so pumped, like the weather is beautiful. I love meeting your people. This is so exciting. That's very different. And that really does like enhance the day, but it also enhances their memories. So when they look back at their photos, they're gonna think like, my wedding photos are beautiful and my photographer was awesome. And this felt so good when I was taking this photo. Mm. Really interesting stuff here because uh, like what I'm super picking up on is just like the element and importance of leadership behind all of this. And like leading with the connection based things. Like a lot of times I think when we think leader, at least historically, it's like the person in charge. But what you don't realize is that there's other people in the room who are like there and leading in a way that isn't in your face and isn't about the leader. And it sounds to me Mm -hmm. like you're really doing that by creating kind of like the culture and the vibe and the feeling by you bringing the enthusiasm and the connection and kind of showing them the way with that, that then everyone kind of like falls in line as well. Oh yeah. Fascinating. And that that happens, especially at the beginning of the day mm. when you walk in and everybody doesn't know what to expect because Mm -hmm. the only people who know you at the beginning of the day are are the couple. So -hmm. you walk in and then, you know, the wedding party is like, we have so many questions and you're like, that's great that that you have questions. Let me answer them for you. Yeah. Wow. The level of customer service. (laughs) And also like, that's some expert facilitation skills. And like, it's bringing up like dynamic coach training stuff for me too, just of like knowing the room and like you setting the boundaries and really having to know like yourself and what you do and, and set everyone up for success. When you do have everyone coming at you with questions and they're worried and anxious and excited and all of those like in their feels big time that day. (laughs) Interesting. I never really thought about like the crossover that like you obviously have your coaching business and the photography business, but like, that's a big middle of the Venn diagram that you're doing facilitation on both sides. Interesting. One of the things you mentioned before about the intimacy was like that you like it, except like there are some state, some cases where like that comes up and it's like, nope, which made Mm. me think of, I think a post that I read of yours a while back about like sometimes groomsmen at weddings can like Mm. overstep and be not okay. Or DJs, just men in the space basically. And if you're open to it, like, I'd love to just explore that a little bit and what that means in terms of like you leading a business in a place where there's a bunch of drunk people a lot of times. And like, how do you handle that? Is that something that worries or concerns you? Like what, tell us about the world. (laughs) So drunk people, yes. (laughs) And I shouldn't put that on just men either, but Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Humans. Unfortunately, though, I will say that when men get drunk, they're usually more aggressive than women. And that is just what I have experienced. And the way that I try to avoid that 
is that we will leave usually directly after cake cutting because that's usually when people get really drunk so we want to actually number one people don't want those photos like they don't want photos of themselves looking sloppy everyone's sweating on the dance floor yeah it's like often smeared right they don't want the photos (laughs) and if it comes up on a call i'm like listen i can say that late but like do you want those photos (laughs) that's a you choice (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, nine times out of 10, people are like, yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, so we try to remove ourselves ourselves from that, even potential. That's like mm-hmm. number one. Number two, I think with people being drunk, that can absolutely be addressed in the moment where, you know, if somebody's being unruly, whether they're drunk or not, you can say like, hey, like, can you just take a minute over here? Like we just need, we just need you to like recompose yourself for a second and then we'll pop back into photos. I think that can absolutely be addressed. If somebody shows up not in the best way, whether that's drunk or not, and they continue to make uncomfortable comments that can be addressed. And I think one of the best ways to actually address it is to joke about it because you don't want the, you don't want to be like, you're being a douchebag and like ruining that entire everybody around you like their experience you know what i mean but you can absolutely be like ah ha ha no thanks and like move on <laughs> like that's a different addressing of the situation right because people are smart they know that they're like not acting right and so you can be like ah ha ha nope goodbye and like that's that so I think that's one of the best ways to do it. Unfortunately, like usually with the groomsmen that I have, especially at this point in my career, most of them are very respectful. They're easy to work with, they're enjoyable. Even if they're like fun loving, they're not yucky. I think mm-hmm. that's different, you know? Mm-hmm. They can be a little rambunctious, but not be yucky. So mm-hmm. it's different. But I, what I find, unfortunately, a lot of the time is actually usually DJs and male videographers are difficult to work with for female photographers, especially where they just are not collaborative. They just get in the way. They are just obnoxious. There's it's, it's unusual that they will say something directly, but they will try to assert power kind of sneakily, right. In ignoring you, in not giving you information in starting stuff, uh, you know, at the reception when they know you're not there, even though you've addressed it. And unfortunately, at this point in time, for any DJ that I meet, any male DJ that I meet, especially for the first time, I feel like I have to put on like my masculine energy and be like, hi, I'm Erica, nice to meet you. And that's not normally how I walk into a room. But I feel like if I don't do that, then there is the potential that they'll be like, oh, this girl is so sweet and nice and like, whatever. And it just gets Mm. silly and unfortunate. So I don't know if that answers the question. Well, it's interesting. I mean, again, it feels like leadership dynamics, like, and knowing, you know, reading the room and knowing how to make your presence kind of known, like to get beyond the control battle immediately which are all things that like are very interesting to me. Cause like, I highly doubt that that's taught in any photography class. You know what I mean? Like the, the navigation and the leadership required 
outside of like your taxes and like the numbers and your invoices, like there's that piece of it, right? There's like running a business, there's the service and like the kind of emotional support and intelligence that's required, like to really support and lead in that way. And then there's this whole other situation here, just all about relational dynamics and you kind of like showing up and reading the room and maintaining safety and integrity and keeping, you know, the value high of what you're providing because you, you, and your feelings and your level of safety in each of these rooms and what you're doing, like is important to the final product too. And absolutely. Right. And like, and it's very much out of your control because as you said, like, you don't know who, who's going to be where you're showing up. So there is a level of like, that's interesting. And I wonder like when most people talk about, you know, growing a business, um, those are not the things that come up as objections to doing. So those are not the fears we talk about, right? Like maybe we talk about the money stuff and like, I'm afraid of doing this. Maybe we get to the point of like, I'm afraid that like, I'll be so successful and then no one in my family will like me or my friends won't connect with me, like that sort of stuff. But this to me is like a whole nother layer and level of like, actually I like to have the tools to navigate something like that is like, whoa. And we don't talk about that. Or at least I've never heard it spoken about. And there's also something too, like, you have to maintain your integrity and the integrity of the service that you're delivering and the integrity of the product that you're going to deliver after the fact. Mm-hmm. You have to maintain the integrity of the experience for the couple and for the family and the wedding party, but you also have to maintain the level of safety and comfort for your second shooter. And nobody talks about that. Everybody acts like second photographers are just kind of like, you know, adjacent mm-hmm. and like, yes, and. They're Mm -hmm. still people, they're still worthy of respect. Like, I feel like so, I'm always so worried about what my second photographer is walking into. Cause I don't know, sometimes I'm not with them at the beginning of the day. And so I don't know what that side of the wedding party is going to be like, whether they're going to be lovely or rambunctious and rowdy and frustrating. And uh, nobody talks about that. Yeah. So this is interesting. And if you're listening and you're like, I don't have a photography business, this doesn't apply to me. I want you to think for a second, just about like having a team, whether they're contractors or employees and then being client facing, because this is like, these are the things that again, we're not thinking about this, but you, people stress out about hiring and the, will the job description be okay? But the leadership that's a required, I think by a second shooter or by, you know, my co-copywriter or my assistant, like anyone who's interacting with my clients, I a want to create an environment where my clients are going to respect them. And I also want them to have the tools to kind of softly demand respect in a way to make sure that they know how to lead themselves. Right. So they can lead the room because there is leadership in any of those situations where they are kind of interacting And so thinking about this and so for people who are either, you know, joining teams and like looking in that way to support other people and from the perspective of you're leading a team and you're bringing people on, can you tell us a little bit, like, what do you think about? How do you kind of establish that like starting point with people? Um, Because that is different and not everyone does that. And I think that really is like an important thing when you're shopping around for like who you want to be helping searching for the job or the position. And then also to really think about in the other way, when you are hiring, like, how are we actually doing this? Do you mean like, what do we put client facing to make sure that, that everybody is safe? 
Yeah. And more so like when you bring on a second shooter, you're bringing someone into your team, into your ecosphere. Like, what are you thinking through that? Like, we're probably not talking about, you know what I mean? It's not something that you're necessarily, it's not a piece of paper that you're sharing with them. But like, when you think about that dynamic, how do you make that work? That's a great question. The main thing that I think about when I'm bringing on a second shooter is a lot of the time I have had previous interaction with them, whether they've been a prior coaching client of mine or, you know, I've interacted with them in some other type of community. But what I pay very close attention to more than anything is the words they use to describe their own clients, how they talk about their own wedding days, how they talk about what they bring to the table. Because I'm not here for you to be like, I have all this gear and blah, 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 and all this experience. What I am always looking for is, and paying attention to, even if I don't ever overtly say it, is how do they describe their clients? What kind of positive affirmations do they have around their clients? What does their client roster actually look like? Like, are they actually lovely people or are they just saying that they're lovely people? Because <laughs> I think that's different. And I think you can you can definitely ascertain that. Like you can you can tell when somebody's like BSing, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and I I pay attention to how they handle themselves in online communities. So like if somebody's always in online communities complaining, or somebody's always in online communities being like, I'm having this client issue or this client issue or this client issue, or they're complaining about stuff that is just so like, why are you complaining? Like this is just normal day-to-day -day stuff, you know? And they're putting it out there all the time and just always like, I need to vent and I need to do this. And I, those are not people that I wanna work with. So what I, the people I wanna work with are people who are very compliment, complimentary of their clients, who feel like they've found their people and they like to second shoot just to augment their income. They have a similar ethos to me in that when they talk about a wedding day, they're like, I'm here to serve and support and cheerlead these clients. And I just wanna take great care of them because I know that that's like an inherent core value and mm -hmm. that core value will automatically translate over to my team as well. So those are the things that I'm usually looking for when I'm hiring individuals to be a part of my team. Interesting. It sounds like you're like the, the connection-based piece that you really like put forth. <laughs> it's interesting just to kind of have this conversation. I've been talking about like team building and all that jazz and with different people who, <clears throat> and I think this, I, I want to say maybe it's generational too, but the difference between like looking at resumes and looking at experience and education and actually connecting with the person and seeing how that feels like I can teach skills. It is not like, it's not rocket science, right? But the actual like ability to connect and hold space and like listen and speak and really communicate that to me is like the golden everything. Oh, absolutely. And like, I also want to enjoy spending time with them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I want to have fun with this person. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, like, I don't want it. I don't want to be like, oh my God, like, what is this person doing now? What is going on here? Like, I need, like, the day, it's not stressful to me, but there's a lot of moving parts. And so I feel like, you know, my brain is so taken up by all of the moving parts that I can't be babysitting somebody else because they're doing or saying stuff that I'm like, oh, like, mm -hmm, no, thank you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. That's so important. 
So if you were kind of like looking back and reflecting, uh, well, I'm going to ask you to do that right now, but like, so looking back and reflecting, like over the course of your business, what is like, is there anything that you would say to yourself then that like would be helpful to have heard like in the beginning stages in the, I'm growing this. I just made the commitment like. Hmm. At that commitment stage. Yeah. Like what's the, I don't know. What did you either like need to hear as a human or is there like a tactical strategic thing that would have been helpful to know from the get-go? I think I would tell myself that you can strive all you want for perfection. It's never going to happen. And it's never going to make you safe mm. because I think for a long time, I was like, I need to be perfect. And then I'm not going to get bad feedback or feedback that feels uncomfortable for me to hear or have bad experiences in general, but it's just not even attainable. And just because something isn't perfect doesn't mean that it's not good. And I think at the end of the day, if you can like put your stamp of approval on the day and say, you know, I did my best today and that's all I can ask of myself. I can't go back and change anything. What <laughs> every single day I go to bed and I'm like, I could have done this better, but like, I can't, I can't go back and change it. And I think just being okay with things being okay mm. is what the goal needs to be. Hmm. I love that. Well, is there anything else that you want to share that feels present that you would like our listeners to hear? <laughs> I mean, I think if, I think if there are people who are looking for a wedding photographer mm -hmm. listening to this, I think they should pay attention to how a person makes them feel on a consultation call and trust mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I think if there are wedding photographers listening, I would encourage them to focus more on a sense of connection than upgrading their gear or upgrading their styling kit or doing all the outward things because those are just band-aids and they're never actually going to get you more business. What gets you more business is connection. And I think if there are coaches listening, I would encourage them to also be okay with not being perfect to understand that they're human, to understand that they're human working with humans. <laughs> and so, yep. yeah, so there has to be with some the messiness. <laughs> yeah, it's messy. <laughs> and that's stuff that I still struggle with too. Like I've, I'm not here like, oh, I'm the best at this. I'm not. <laughs> and I think bringing that level of awareness of like, you can be imperfect and messy and human and like still do good. Mm hmm. Absolutely. If people are listening and want to learn more about you, about the booking accelerator, where do they go? What do they do? Okay, cool. So they can go to my website, which is ericaleman.co. It's E-R-I-C-A-L-E-M-A-N.co. And then the booking accelerator is mentioned right there on the homepage. And that's where you can apply. You can find stuff out. You can always send me a DM at Hey Erica Lehman on Instagram. I like DMs. So <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants me to too. Me there, I'm, I'm happy to chat. Yeah. <laughs> I so, love yeah, that. That's everything. 
Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us and thank you for showing up in the world and doing your work and thank you for you. Thank you for you. <laughs> hey, it's Erin and I want you to know that you matter. Everything you're doing and everything you've done, it all matters. It all counts because you are important to the people around you, your family and friends, your audience, your clients, and quite honestly, to the world. Whether you're changing lives on the front line or changing lives while you're changing diapers, your presence matters. Every life you touch counts. And from just one interaction, there can be infinite, meaningful effects. And for that reason, I want to thank you for showing up and doing the work to be with yourself and share your light and your gifts and your love with those around you. If you want support with any of this human being stuff, you're always welcome to join me inside of my coaching membership, Human Being Club at humanbeingclub.com or follow along with me on Instagram for more behind the scenes, silly stuff at Erin Lindstrom. Once again, thank you for being here and thank you for you.